your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. The triangle set to the top of the pattern. Now Spielman in motion to the near side. Rolling right is McCaffrey. Throws it toward the end zone. Wide open is Noah. Makes a catch. And it is a touchdown. Nebraska. Now let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. We're here Wednesday night, Sports Highly on the Husker Sports Network. Hope you had a good day today. It's sure nice outside. That temperature really came up quite a bit. Forecast for Saturday looking pretty nice. Mid-50s. Some cloud cover, but mid-50s. We'll certainly take that for a game in the middle part of November as the Huskers get set to host the Wisconsin Badgers. Here we have, here's what we have coming up on the program tonight. We'll have a practice report here in a couple of minutes. We'll hear from offensive coordinator Troy Walters. Hour number two. Ben had a chance to catch up with Cam Taylor-Britt, who did not go to Purdue. He was sick that week, feeling better now and anxious to get back out there with his teammates on Saturday. So we'll hear that conversation. We'll have our Big Ten Blitz. Check in with what's going on at Michigan State. Oh, I bet that's dicey right now. Iowa and Indiana all set up for big matchups coming up this weekend around the league. In our third hour, we'll have our buy-sell, and then we're going to recap the early signing period was today for every sport except football. It's been a busy day for Husker Athletics, women's basketball, volleyball, baseball, softball, wrestling, uh, soccer have all announced classes today. We'll recap some of the names in those classes for you coming up in the third hour of the program. We're waiting for the official release of the baseball group. Uh, They've been leaking out throughout the day today. In fact, wrestling just came out with their six-person class right before we took the air. Uh, Husker softball right before 5 o'clock finally put their class out, so we'll – We'll uh, continue to monitor that. We'll re- recap all that for you coming up in hour number three. And as always, phone lines are open and available for you at 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. Ben, the biggest news of the day after practice was the health status of Wandale Robinson. Troy Walter said he has not practiced this week. He would be a game-time decision. He was injured fairly late in the Purdue game two weeks ago. Remember, he wanted to come back in the game, and the trainers were like, you can't, no, you're not going back in. Obviously still not completely healed up. This would be a huge loss for Nebraska if Wandale can't go on Saturday. Yeah, there's no question about it. I know exactly what play he got hurt on, and it was one of those inconspicuous type injuries. If it He was standing right in front of me when it happened, and I saw the look on his face. Uh, it didn't get a lot of attention. Normally when a player goes down, you know, someone goes out and then we go check on him. But he made it off the field. And I don't know that anybody on the bench even knew, you know, that, that he was injured. And so, you know, during those next couple plays of Purdue, I went behind the bench and he, he wasn't even in the tent right away. He was even on the bench for a while before somebody came over to talk to him. And then, uh, and then of course, they, they took him in there and, and, that, and you know, I – the the body language that I got it didn't look overly good and I'm not surprised at all that this is still an issue today um and so if Nebraska doesn't have him I'm remembering last year J.D. Spielman torched Wisconsin for over 200 yards uh, I mean you're without a, a huge huge weapon and on a on a defense that hasn't allowed hardly sans ohio state hasn't allowed hardly any rushing yards all year i think this make make life between the tackles awfully difficult for the big red on saturday yeah no doubt it really puts scott frost troy walters in a bind where do you get the offense where do you get the the big plays 
Um, you're starting to run out of bodies a little bit with Maurice Washington still in a state of flux with his spot even even a part of the program anymore now the injury to Wandale. Was it a contact injury or was it a turf injury? We talked about how that turf has been tough on the Huskers in the past. Yeah, I don't know exactly how it happened. Uh, I more so saw the, the after effects, but based on the, the facial expression that he gave and you know how gingerly he was walking – uh, you know, I knew it was a, and then to me, it wasn't a shock at all that he didn't finish the game. Like the, the fact that he had his helmet on and tried to get back in the game was a surprise to me, but this is just, I mean, kind of feels like par for the course this year for Nebraska, bad break here, bad luck there. And, you know, the one good thing is, uh, this isn't a, something that just sprung on the, it's not like he got injured today at practice and the coaches have to scrap their game plan. Um, they've had a, a couple of extra days and a bye week to think about how they will move the offense if they don't have him. And yeah, they can try and put together some type of plan that uh, that they could use or, or you know maybe find a, another guy here and there, a different package for another player or whatever it is. We did see Jacob Hip Hickman get involved. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it could be that type of scenario where, you know, there's just somebody else that's featured a little bit more. But if you, there's no question you need your best players on the field to win these types of games. Well, just the the play, the big playmaking ability guys on this team, it's it's starting to dwindle down a little bit. So uh, we'll, we'll continue to monitor that. But we'll hear – from Troy Walters a little bit later on in the hour in our practice report. Uh, Ohio State got good news today. They uh, received official word from the NCAA that Chase Young, who borrowed money from a friend to uh, get his girlfriend to the Rose Bowl uh, earlier in his career, had paid the loan back. They submitted it to the NCAA. Uh, the NCAA initially it ruled it would be a four-game suspension. They appealed it and got it down to two. So he missed last week's game with Maryland. Uh, he'll miss this week's game with Rutgers. Pretty convenient that those are the two games that they're going to miss. I guess good for Ohio State. They knew kind of what they were doing. They waited until they hit this part of their schedule where they could probably feel pretty assured they were going to win games. I, I I mean, I think they've known about this for some time in Columbus. Kind of goes along with getting Justin Fields <laughs> eligible in the offseason that drew my ire. Um, but I guess good for Ohio State. They'll get Chase Young back for the Penn State and the Michigan games in the few coming weeks. Yeah, I mean, I've read the report that's come out from Ohio State, and um, the Cleveland Plain Dealer put out an article on it today. Uh, basically highlighting the information in the case, at least from an Ohio State standpoint. And and their stance on it remains that they didn't even receive the information on Chase Young until October 27th, which by coincidence was the day after (laughs) the game with Wisconsin. And and it was a self-internal investigation. And, um, you know, they, uh, you know, tracked down rumors. They investigated. They interviewed people around the case. And... You know the the NCA they 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 of course presented the Ohio State then went to, went to the NCA and said look here's the deal we've investigated it we found this to be true and this to be true um, and then you know about two weeks later the NCA came out with the ruling and uh, Chase Young a Heisman candidate had to sit against Rutgers and Maryland and he'll be ready to go for Penn State this yeah. week yeah so let me just get the timeline right here. They found out about it on October the 27th. Today's November the 13th, and they have finality on the whole thing. 
When have you ever known the NCAA to work at that fast a pace? When an institution just discovered a fraction on the 27th of October and the whole thing is taken care of by November 13th? Okay. Yeah, I mean, the NCAA (laughs) continues to uphold its reputation as the worst organization, um, you know, basically created in terms of rulings and decisions. Just the wild inconsistencies. uh, In this case, you know, the stories that they do indeed choose to – or, or the circumstances that they do, you know, choose to rule on uh, the, the duration, the deliberation period. Still waiting on the uh, Oklahoma State ruling from about seven years ago. <laughs> North with, Carolina, they got their uh, things cleaned I up. I mean, it, it's, it's just utterly unbelievable the, <laughs> the, the, how, how this stuff continues to happen. And, you know, the eligibility issues, um, you know, again, go back to Justin Fields at Ohio State. Meanwhile, you know, the the young man that that wanted to go home closer to yeah, you know, to, to be with his ailing grandfather in Illinois, at Illinois, um, transferring over from I think it was Georgia, um, to not grant him eligibility. I would seriously wonder, you know, if this was if this was a case around, um, you know, a guy like like Tyler Johnson. Right, Minnesota. Yeah, would, would, would have been handled this way. Reggie Corbin at Illinois. You know, if something were to happen with with his eligibility issue, would would the NCAA have reacted this quickly? This is all hypothetical, and the NCAA probably doesn't even know. Like, if you were to ask them, they probably would, couldn't give you a straight answer. But it's not shocking to me, and it's not shocking to me that Ohio State used the the. Uh, well, we, we we were the ones that issued the one-game suspension against Maryland, so we're asking you to grant immediate eligibility because we took swift action when yeah. we found out. Immediately jumped uh, in there. We, we would like to uh, to have him be immediately eligible since we took that, that action. The NCAA goes, now you're getting off too easy. We're going to make him sit one more week because this is how severe it is. Um, look, I get that it's stupid and it's petty that this is the case that, uh, you know, wanting to fly a, a family member or a girlfriend out to the Rose Bowl, whatever. Like, there are worse things going on in mm-hmm. college sports. But it just it just seems awful convenient for, yeah. for a guy who, you know, had four sacks in the game with Wisconsin and then the next day they're, they're presented with uh, this information. Seems a little fishy to me. Yeah. Don't smell right, does it? No. Uh, we, we barely got to talk last night because we had the Bill Moose show and then the women's basketball show last night. We didn't get a chance, Ben, to talk much about the playoff poll that came out yesterday. And again, it is just a snapshot of what is right now uh, with LSU 1. No problem there. They've deserved it. They've got the best resume in the country at this point in time. Ohio State 2, no issue with where the Buckeyes are as a team, the way they've looked on the field. They've been absolutely dominant. Clemson has played very well in the last couple of weeks. They're the defending champions. They're undefeated. They certainly have held on to the three spot. Uh, But from there on, it goes Georgia SEC, Alabama SEC, and then Oregon is number six. It just looks to me, Ben, that they've set this up to make sure that the SEC is going to get two slots again in this thing. I mean, you, you've got a couple of other undefeated teams that are down the, the line. Minnesota is at number eight, and, and I get it. The Gophers have had a very kind schedule, 
but they did just beat the number four team in the poll the week before in Penn State in a whale of a football game in Minneapolis. Baylor is at 13. They're undefeated. And, yes, they play Oklahoma this week, and that could change. But th- those are two undefeated teams. You have some one-loss teams that I would think have a claim to be in that 4-5 or five hole as well. To me, Georgia's got some good wins, but they've got a bad loss to South Carolina who's not going to make a bowl game. That game was at Georgia. And Bama just got beat, got handled pretty well at home by LSU. And and I know I was watching a late-night basketball game last night with Oregon and Memphis, and Jay Billis was on the call, and he got into it. And he was, he was mad that Bama fell to five. His point was, well, if you like Bama so much last week to put them three, by one score to the number one team, why would you drop them hardly at all? He's buddy any good all year long. And yeah, the final score was a one-score difference, but that was a 20-point game at the half. Jay, did you watch it at all? Did you see the dominance of LSU? To me, Ben, the committee has set this up perfectly to make sure the SEC is going to get two bits. Yeah, and I think the the thing that bugs me about the argument with Alabama, and I said this earlier this and when, when your best argument – for your team is about a loss that's that that is a a huge indictment on what you have or especially what you have not done you know throughout the course of the year like that's Bama's best resume case is about a loss and I, I don't think that's a very good good spot to start from Look, I used to get really into this when the the committee, when the VCS committee or the BCS went away, and we started going to, to this panel in the college football playoff. I used to, every time there was a new poll, I'd sit and analyze. Okay, this team was picked ahead of this team. You know, what were the circumstances that led to that? You know, okay, now, you know, through through the if you work through the top ten, through the top twenty five what is it the top criteria based on you know where teams are what 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 is the committee you know putting value on and the 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 bottom and I've stopped doing that until the the very end for this reason is I've learned through you know the years of studying it it's always ambiguous there's always going to be cases certainly in the top 10 and without a doubt in the top 25, but always in the top 10, there, there's, there's situations where if, if you're setting a precedent and you're, and you're going based on ruling and ruling alone or, or certain criteria that this team should be ahead of that team. And, and there's always a case where that's not true. And so you're, just, you're, you're opening yourself up to be angry and to be confused and be fuddled if you sit there like I did and analyze why, you know, TCU got left out, Baylor got left. Like if you do that every time you're going to drive yourself crazy. And, and the bottom line is here, here's the best rationale that I've got from based on the committee is every team is based on an, is judged on an individual basis. And, and then, and then the light comparisons come in. So I'm not entirely sure, uh, you know, and then this poll in particular, like why Utah is getting you know m- more love than uh, than anybody else behind them. Uh, that that was a team that had a big issue with, of course, the SEC. Uh, you know, how do you rate a bad loss versus a good win, or or, or nine okay wins with uh, two really good wins and a bad loss? Like where where, where do you find the middle ground on that? Um, I agree with you, though it's it's going to be hard. It's hard in this scenario, two weeks into the to the uh, be, to the rankings, the the playoff rankings, that unless somebody gets upset and lose to a team that they shouldn't, 
to me, I, I don't know how it, two SEC teams don't get in. Here's what Bama has left. This week at Mississippi State, who's not having a very good year. Western Carolina next week. I like the tide, I think, in that one. Yeah. And then they end at Auburn. So they have to go to Auburn, play their rival. That will be a real slugfest. And if they win that, that will be by far their best win. And that will make them 11-1. and one. They will not qualify for the SEC title game. LSU is going to win their division. So they're going to get a rematch with LSU in the semifinals. And then who has all the motivation? You know? Yeah, I it, I don't think it's uh, – I don't think it's in the world to put a couple of stipulations, requirements – to be shouldn't you have to win your division four. i mean i think that's the bare minimum you better leave okay you may not win your league title you better win your division yeah right i think that i think that's the bare minimum uh and the other thing that that sucks about this and and again the it didn't really affect you know georgia in a sense but where the losses happen shouldn't matter like like if you lose week one use oregon for example that loss should count the same as if an SEC team or a Big Ten team, let's use Big Ten in this example. If the Big Ten team, if Ohio State were to lose in the in the Big Ten championship to an undefeated Minnesota team. Or say to Michigan. That that yeah, loss that loss should count the same as Oregon's loss in August. But it doesn't seem to happen that way. And and that's that's a bummer as well. Yeah. Every practice. We're gonna work on it every single day until these guys master it. All season long. There's nothing better as an athlete than being part of something that's bigger than just yourself. And I think these guys are starting to feel that and we'll keep building it. It's time for a Husker football practice report on Sports Nightly. Time to replace your roof, call JTEC, the official exterior experts of the Huskers for a free estimate. JTEC Construction is a family-owned company with locations in Lincoln, Omaha, and Grand Island. Wells defense day yesterday, offense day today. So Nebraska offensive coordinator Troy Walters meeting with members of the media today and was asked if they were able to get refreshed during the bye week. Yeah, we wanted to, you know, long, long season. We wanted them to recover, um, you know, get healthy, so to speak, uh, but also get some good on good and, 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 and uh, you know, work on our fundamentals and our details. So I think we accomplished all that in the bye week and, um, the guys are hungry and ready for uh, a great Wisconsin team, top 20 ranked team in the country coming to our place. Um, should have a great crowd and uh, a great opportunity to do something special. In these types of games, it's certainly helpful to have your, your, your weapons on the field. And one uncertainty in that area is Wandale Robinson. Coach Walters addressed the health of his freshman from Kentucky. Yeah, he, he's, uh, we'll see. We'll see. He's kind of banged up, but, uh, you know, he's, 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 he's working to get back and uh, uh, we'll just, you know, we, we got to play what we have and, and we'll kind of see game day, game time, if he's uh, what he can do. And, and like I said, we're going to put him in the best situations to be successful. And so we'll just have to kind of wait and see. It's not a glowing report. Mm. Doesn't sound great in the middle of the week. We'll see. Uh, you know, you love to hear something about progression, but that's not necessarily what we heard. So doesn't sound doesn't sound great no as you mentioned though they've probably known this for a couple of weeks so they probably have been working some other guys into some spots and setting up some plays for some different guys folks i'm grasping here i'm trying to find a silver lining but because you definitely want to have him out there if you can but it doesn't sound good yeah well uh the reason why you need those playmakers is because they're going to face a great defense in wisconsin coach walters talks about what he saw from the badgers there's really no tricks about it uh, they're good um, you know, they play with high energy, high motor guys. 
so they can win their one-on-one -on -one matchups. They don't necessarily have to blitz. Uh, they got you know four or five guys that can rush the passer one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, and then when they do blitz, they mix it up. You know they're kind of like our defense. They're in and out of three-man front, four-man front. So uh, it's going to be important for our center to ID the front. And uh, but the thing about Wisconsin, they play with their hair on fire. And we've got to make sure we match their intensity or else uh, they're going to get after us. Physical. They're not overly fast, I would say, but they gang tackle and, you know, it's kind of similar to uh, Northwestern and the fact that they always seem to, to be in the right spot at the right time. Just know their system inside and out. They recruit guys to look just like the guys who left. So they have a, I need a six foot three, 250 pound guy to be my next outside linebacker. Go find that guy. We'll then teach him all the rules, all the products, all the keys, get him ready to roll. And then he goes, we need a six foot two safety, 215. They just go and plug him in. And that, that's a credit to where their program is and has been for a good 20 years now. No doubt. Um, so the, the other part to Wisconsin that's made them great, specifically against the run this year, has been uh, the defensive line. What does Nebraska's O-line need to do to counter that? Well, the first thing, they have to know what they're doing. You know, they have to know what they're doing. If there's any doubt, any hesitation on what their assignment is, they're done. So we've got to make sure they know what they're doing. And then once they know what they're doing, they recognize what's going on. We've had good practices. Where we've given them all the looks we're going to face. Coach Austin does a great job with them up front. The bye week, we went good on good, so they went against our D-line. So uh, they've had a good week of practice, and they're, they're ready to go. Yeah, I'm anxious to see how this O-line performs and how Nebraska wants to attack wants to attack Wisconsin on the ground. Bryson Williams, young man from Lincoln Southeast, their nose tackle is out for the game. They're a little skinny up front. They've got enough to to come line up on Saturday, but they're getting a little thin with that injury that he suffered last week against Iowa. One thing that's really frustrating about Wisconsin and even Iowa is they take a lot of plays away from you with their offensive style, uh, grinding away drives and grinding away uh, you know, time on the clock and possession. Coach Walters talked about that and not being able to run as many plays offensively and capitalizing on the ones that they do get to run. Yeah, we told the guys day one, or on Monday that uh, you know each play we've got to execute at a high level because we went through their the season and the number of snaps the opposing uh, offenses have gotten and it's been 50, 55. So we're thinking you know 55, 60 plays and so we've got to maximize those plays. We've got to be efficient. We can't have turnovers, penalties, or else uh, it's going to be a long day. So the guys understand the sense of urgency and how each play really does matter. And what about maximizing the possessions when they have the ball? Yeah, you can't get frustrated, but the real goal is you got to score. You know, if you don't score, last year we went up there and uh, first drive, we moved the ball down the field and had to punt, second drive, and they score, second drive, field goal. You're not going to win with field goals. So you've got to maximize each drive, each play. You've got to score touchdowns when you get in the red zone because if you don't, then you're not going to see the ball a lot. So uh, we got to stay poised on the sideline. Uh, but I, I feel good about how our defense has been playing, that they're going to be able to slow them down. And, and uh, when we do get our chances, we got to we got to make the most of it. Yeah, so obviously, you know, when you do have it, make the most of every opportunity that you get. Well, we talked a little bit about this guy early in, this, uh, in the show tonight, Chris Hickman, who obviously will, will have three more games uh, to play before – you know, he uh, is, is not eligible for a red shirt, but uh, what has he brought to the table and what has Coach Walters liked about the freshman from Omaha? Yeah, he's been good. Uh, you know, we were kind of playing him at tight end, also playing him at receiver outside, inside. So, uh, you know, he's going he's gonna to 
He's, he has two more games left, I believe. Yeah, he's still trying to redshirt him, uh, so he'll he'll see two more games going into the spring. But he's going to have the ability to be, uh, be a be a tight end, um, maybe be an outside receiver, maybe you know just a hybrid type guy that can create mismatches on on opposing defense. Yeah, Chris Hickman can do some things. He mm-hmm. he looks good out there, and uh, you know he, we, we had Coach Becton in here talking a little bit about what he can add to the table. Kind of that tweener. Can they put enough weight on him to make him a tight end? Or is he fast enough wide receiver? You like the size. He's certainly a great athlete. So that that's going to be a debate I think the coaches have over the next four or five months. What do we want to do? Do we take some weight off, try to make him a long, lengthy wide receiver? Or do we can we bulk him up to 250 and make him a legitimate threat in the tight end spot? That'll be a debate. Certainly been some conversation about Adrian Martinez and the way he played against Purdue last week. And you know, really three, three and a half quarters. He, he didn't look himself, but he did turn it on there late and got a couple of drives when they needed to, scored a couple of touchdowns. Can you use the end of that Purdue game for some momentum and perhaps some confidence against Wisconsin? Yeah, yeah, he did a great job the last two drives of, uh, or second to the Purdue game, um, you know, making plays, uh, being more aggressive with his legs. Uh, had a good bye week against our defense. You know, I think he's, he's 100% healthy. Um, so we're expecting him to get back to form, and, and uh, we're going to need him to utilize his legs because things are going to break down. They've got great pass rushers, and so he's got to be able, like he did last year, be able to beat them with his legs and create some big plays running the football. Yeah, a lot of – you said 100% healthy, first of all, and I think Adrian's legs will be an X factor on he, Saturday. He was pretty good last year in Madison. Yes, he was. He did a great job up there. Hopefully that guy's back with us on Saturday. Here's your JTEC practice report for tonight. Coming up here in a couple of minutes, we'll have our Big Ten Blitz checking in with our reporters on the ground at Michigan State, Iowa, and Indiana as all three of those schools get ready for some big football matchups here this weekend. But we're going to start with some Husker football and a guy who's back and healthy. Cam Tater Britt was out of the Purdue game. He got sick. Not only that, but Ben, he's been he's been bothered with a bad shoulder all season long. Yeah, he's been having to to, to fight through through some things to say the least this year and Nice to have him back and smiling uh, at the press conference uh, earlier this week and just started out by asking him how you got to be pretty excited to play a football game again after the last couple of weeks, the bye week and the sickness. I'm very anxious. You, uh, you will see on Saturday, I promise. You always are, are very excited to play, but when, you know, injury, you've been dealing with some injuries too and now sickness. I mean, just what does that do for you when, when you are out there? Now that you know what it's like to kind of have that taken away from you a little bit, you know, to, to put, just put the pads on every day and, you know, get that opportunity to go play. It just makes you appreciate it more, you know. Uh, you, you give that love to football, football will bless you back, you know. You have to uh, put everything on the line. I can say, you know, with those injuries and me being sick, it really made me, you know, appreciate it a lot more, you know, that I'm not out there and I wish I was out there, but I can't because it's something I can't help, you know. But me being out there is, is going to be kind of crazy because I'm so ready to get back out there. What's the team mood right now? I mean, it's been a while since the team has played, too, with the bye week, and I know last game was just left a pit in a lot of your, your boys' stomachs. Where, where would you say the, the team's at right now? You know, taking all those ills, you would think, you know, the team is down right now. But, you know, with our bye week, we had a great week, you know, uh, where everybody got, you know, rest up. And today's practice was great, you know. Everybody was, in, you know, energy was there. You know, I, I would say it was down, but it's not. I'll be lying to you. So the attitude is, you know, pretty up right now, but we have to keep it up through Saturday night, you know, into Sunday morning and just keep that up and, you know, finish strong. 
What's been the message from the coaches, you know, of how to approach, you know, this game other than the X's and O's, you know, when they're talking to you guys about, you know, where you're at mentally and how to approach practice or rehab or whatever it is. What's what's kind of been their their message to you guys the last few days? You got to practice like you're in the NFL. You have to practice like you this is your last game. You know, you got to practice like, you know, you won't be able to do this ever again. You have to put everything on the line because, you know, it's, a, it's the end of the year. Like, what are you saving your body for now? You know, put it all on the line. This is obviously, you know, you mentioned the, the record isn't kind of where anybody wants it to be, but you guys prepare all year for this, you know, all winter, all spring, and all summer. I mean, what what does it, the opportunity do every Saturday? I know people may be frustrated with, with the results of the season, but how hard you guys work to just – you get just 12 of these and that's it, and then you kind of start that calendar all over again. It's kind of crazy, you could say, because we do put in a lot of work, and just to come out here and go four and five right now is – it's kind of heartbreaking to me, especially because, you know, I love football and I know it's some other guys that love football, but I actually, you know, love this. If I didn't have this, I don't know what I'd be doing, honestly. You know, you got to take, you can't take this, you know, sport for granted because it can take you a lot of places. But you, we just got to keep grinding and we got to finish strong because, you know, it is a short season. We're trying to get to a bowl game. You're going to be one of the guys that kind of sees this thing through, you know, at least the, the very early transition of Coach Frost. You were, you were one of the first guys in, and now you're going to go through all the growing pans and hopefully hand it off to the next batch that's right. that has it where it wants to be. Now that you're kind of in the thick of it, Cam, right now, and the, the times that aren't so great, what do you have come to appreciate about the time that this takes and the process of, of building Nebraska back to a top 25 team? Because you're going to kind of be one of the, the ringleaders of it. Well, you know, I kind of knew what I was getting myself into coming in because, you know, some things just don't, you know, come right off the back and are good right now. You know, after last year, I just had the feeling that, you know, we we're going to do decent this year. I didn't, I didn't expect us to go, you know, 12 and 0. You know, I expect us to go 7 and 2. You know, but that's not happening right now. I expect us, you know, do a lot better than we did last year. But you know, I knew it was a process coming in. I didn't know it was going to be like this. No, but we got to do what we got to do to get it better. And then I'm going to stay here, you know, until we get it right. Somebody that's in the middle of it, where are we? I mean, you gauge the process for us. We're in the middle, you can say. You know, uh, last year was the beginning, you know, of something real rough, you know. And people, you know, they talk about Coach Frost and things. It's nothing about Coach Frost. It's about the players. You know, he recruits, the, you know, they recruit the players. We try to get the players, you know, we feel they're going to be great teammates. There are some dogs, you know. I like what we're recruiting now. It's going to be crazy, you know. I'm making sure, and I'm, I'm trying hard, trying to get some one-day Robinsons in here, you know, because we need playmakers. We need some people that's going to come here with the right mindset that's going to, you know, help us win because we don't want anybody that's just going to, you know, be a, a cancer to the team or anything like that. There's a lot of people that are going to look at the record and go, well, why would anybody come here? What's your pitch? You know, if, when you got these guys in here that the Wandales, you know, they're, you're helping to build this thing too, what do you tell them? You're going to help us build it. You know, you're going to play a big factor in, you know, helping this team. You're not going to be able to, you know, just sit on the sideline a red shirt. You need to come in and, you know, have the right mindset to I'm coming in to play. You're going to come in to play. You know, you look where we are right now. If you make an impact, you know, you're going to do great things here. This team's given us problems in the past. They've got a great running back, as you know, huge offensive line. The challenges this week, what, what, what is it and what excites you about it? You know, I could just say that it's like it's me, you know, it's just the game itself, you know, playing Wisconsin. It's a it's a great team, you know, and we win this, you know, it's a big statement. You know, we just got to go out there and do our thing, you know, just because they are a great team. You got some, they got great backs, great receivers, great offensive line, decent quarterback. You know, we just got to uh, come out there and get the ball back. 
What did you learn from Minnesota about them having success on the ground that you can try and take away and maybe neutral? I mean, it's hard, it's hard to shut them down for four quarters, but, you know, limit the, the, the plays that Wisconsin's going to come at you. We got a game tackle. You know, we didn't tackle so great in that game, not even myself. You know, we were playing injured and more things like that, but that doesn't have anything to do about it. We have to game tackle, get somebody to the ground. It doesn't matter how you have to do it, but don't, we just have to eliminate the big plays. Cam, we appreciate it, man. It's great to see a smile on your face. Great to see you healthy. Let's go get one on Saturday. Let's do it. The Big Ten Blitz, Michigan State. Let's start with the Spartans and joining us from Spartan Nation, Hondo Carpenter, Michigan State, getting ready to take on their in-state rivals, Michigan. And Hondo, I could not believe what I watched Saturday with Michigan State coughing up a 28-3 lead. How devastating is that for the future of Mark D'Antonio? Well, it's absolutely watching a program that was once stellar absolutely crumble. The wheels and the bus have come off. This is the lowest point of the D'Antonio era, and it's sad to see it. You know, Certainly, if this is not the last year, and I do believe it will be, if it's not to see the fall of his time in Michigan State end so badly. 28 points with that defense should have been more than enough to beat Illinois. What, What happened in your eyes Saturday? Lots of mistakes. They just made crucial mistakes. Once again, the Michigan State coaching staff was brutal. Um, You know, we've been talking about this for four years on your show, about the staff being inadequate, Antonio not willing to fire guys, wanted to keep his buddies around. was so bad after last year that that instead of keeping everybody in the same position, he just reshuffled them. And I made a comment, you may remember this early in the preseason blitz on your show, where I said I disagreed with his decision, but it's you know it was his decision, and it, he earned the right because he rebuilt this program to try it. But if it didn't fail, the responsibility was on him, and it has failed, and the responsibility sits on no one else. This is not a talent issue. This is a coaching issue in East Lansing. Okay, now they get to play a Michigan team that seems to have kind of righted their ship a little bit. What, what will the Spartans need to do just to make this thing competitive on Saturday? Um... Probably trade in their offense and ask for the backups at Michigan and their coaches would probably be the biggest key. The Michigan State coaching is just so inferior and so terrible right now that it's very difficult for them to get anything going cohesively. I mean, you saw on Saturday against Illinois, which is not a good team, Michigan State jumped out. And then literally everyone began to bemoan because Mark D'Antonio comes from the Jim Trestle tree. You get a lead, then you put your foot on the brake and just try to take the air out of the ball. That doesn't work in modern football. You cannot do it. I mean, think about this one, Greg. You know, Scott Frost is rebuilding a program that was in a lot of trouble, and I'm a, I'm a all on the Frost bandwagon. I think he is the guy that's going to get the job done. But this is only year two of his rebuild. So when he doesn't have guys in key places or he doesn't have backups when there's an injury, that makes 100% sense. But this is year 13 of the Mark D'Antonio era. If you don't have better guys to put into play or you have guys get injured and there's no one to go in behind them, that's on you. And recruiting on the offensive side has been terrible. So really, if they're going to beat Michigan, it's going to take just a rejuvenation of blood. It's going to be players saying, listen, we're going to do what Connor Cook did and go out here and do our own thing and just basically put them behind us. But I think it's going to be brutal in Ann Arbor. Home team hasn't won since 2014. Maybe that'll hold again. And maybe that that's what the Michigan State needs to hold out for. 
Well, if they're holding out for that, then I'll be their death angel. That's not the, <laughs> the, the savior on Saturday. There's not a lot. And I'll tell you how bad it is. Think about this one. Now, I, I don't know except maybe Texas when week 12, uh, a, a better way to explain it. But this Michigan-Michigan State rivalry is bitter. And Michigan State had to return their allotment of tickets to Michigan because Spartan fans don't even want to go. Ugh. Well, it's 11 o'clock kick. Sparty at the Big House against Michigan on Big Fox. Hondo Carpenter of Spartan Nation. Hondo, as always, we appreciate it. Thank you, my friend. Iowa. And let's talk about the Hawkeyes coming off of a hard-fought game with Wisconsin last week. And, boy, Scott, as I sat back and watched that thing, that was like a bare-knuckle fight. That was old-fashioned football. I loved it. Yeah, absolutely. These two teams play that that style of football. They have for 30-plus years, probably longer than that. And uh, we saw it in, live and in color at Campbell Stadium. I mean, you had, uh, in my opinion, the nation's best running back and Jonathan Taylor really assert his will. When Iowa had all the momentum in the fourth quarter after scoring a, a couple of touchdowns and a field goal, uh, he was able to uh, run out the clock and and hang on for a two-point victory and give the, the Badgers just another opportunity to, to win that West Division if uh, – if the Gophers stumble in Iowa City this week. Yeah, let's let's now move on to that one, trying to put the game behind them and get ready for another team that's become a pretty physical program in Minnesota. How, how, what kind of week has it been so far for Iowa as they prepare for Minnesota? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of bumps and bruises, of course. There always is after this game for both teams. But I think uh, that got put away pretty quickly based on who they're playing and what they're playing for. And, and usually in this game, I mean, it's kind of – been an uneven rivalry it certainly is and it has been one for 120 years uh, but in this case it's not been this way which is that the uh, Gophers are actually the team coming in with more at stake than the Hawkeyes and uh, Iowa's won 14 out of the last 18 and they've beaten Minnesota every time in Iowa City since 1999 but that said this is a different Gopher team they present different challenges yes they are physical and they've got good running backs but they can also air it out, which is something that, you know, Wisconsin can't do. And most other teams don't have those receivers. So they present a lot of challenges to Iowa's defense. And uh, But I think they're, at least mentally, they seem to be ready for it. There's no letdown and there's no crying about it, I guess, after last weekend. Scott, it looked like the Hawkeyes found a little bit of rhythm to their passing game late in the Minnesota game. Did you see it that way? And can that be carried over maybe to this Saturday? A little bit. I mean, they decided to go tempo. They just were they were running out of possessions. That tends to happen when you play Wisconsin. So uh, they decided to go hurry up. Uh, well, you know, one of the big problems Iowa's had is it moves the ball. It gets yardage and chunk. It's chunks. It just doesn't do anything once it reaches a certain point. And I think part of that is they don't necessarily have a uh, a quarterback that can make plays on his own, and they don't really have a um, tight end like they've had in the past that kind of. You know, when they're on third and short, you know, or third and five, you know, that catches those passes and turns them into first downs. So they kind of, you know, changed it up a little bit and decided to go heavy tempo. And it worked. Uh, they do have good receivers. They have a quarterback who can sling it. So I, I would expect them to try to do that somewhat. But I don't know that they want to get in a, in a race with the Gophers. I think their receivers are as good as Iowa's are, and they're some of the best that they've had in the last 10 years. Uh, they're, they're not much compared to what the Gophers present, which I think are NFL-caliber receivers. Okay, Iowa, a slight favorite. What do they have to do to make sure this one goes in the, in the win column? 
it's going to have to be, uh, they're going to have to force turnovers. They're going to have to be really physical with the Gophers. I think they're capable of it. I mean, since 2008, Iowa has played five top 10 opponents from October 30th onward at Kinnick Stadium. They're four and one. The only loss was to Ohio State in 2010, and they gave up the game-winning touchdown inside of two minutes. So they play these teams tough. They always play the Gophers tough. I think it's just a matter of can they be physical enough, can they force turnovers, and somewhat dictate tempo on offense. I mean, this is going to be a tough, tough matchup for them, but I think they're capable of competing. It's just a matter of can they make enough plays in the fourth quarter to win, and uh, that, that herein lies the question. That's what Iowa has not done this year against good opponents. Hawkeyes will have a lot of fans in Madison for this one, I can assure you that. Iowa host Minnesota Saturday at 3 on Big Fox. Scott Docterman of the Athletics. Scott, we appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Greg. Indiana. And here to talk about the Hoosiers, Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star. Indiana coming off of a bye week before they get set to travel to Penn State. Oh, what was uh, what was the bye week like? Was it recruiting? Was it cleaning up stuff? What What took place for the Hoosiers? It was probably a little bit of both of those. You know, it's, it's been a weird year that everybody's gotten the double buy in the Big Ten. I think it's actually worked out really well for Indiana in the sense that their first buy came after five games, um, and then their second buy came after four games, none of which was against uh, any of the, the quote-unquote big four. I guess it's more of a big three right now in the East. Um, and obviously Indiana goes 4-0 and in those four games, which really helps. But then you get another bye before these last three. And so it's really kind of helped break the season up into segments. And I think that recruiting is always going to be a, a big part of a bye week. Um, I think that, that from a, a sort of internal perspective, that first bye was a little bit more of, okay, we played our initial season, so to speak, of five games and now we get to really gear up for what's next in terms of, I think Indiana wasn't shy about looking at that four game stretch Rutgers at Maryland, at Nebraska and Northwestern and saying, listen, you know, this is where we make hay where the sun shines. Um, this by week, you know, something Tom Allen said was interesting was he basically asked each of his position coaches for like three things that they really wanted to hammer on before the stretch run. And so I think there was maybe a, a, a little bit more sort of introspection after this bye week, and I think maybe you know some of that is probably easy to, easier to do when you're seven and two and you're riding some momentum. But I think some of it is also maybe feeling like you can do more of that than you could after the first bye because you've played nine games instead of five, and you've played the majority of your conference schedule, and you are in a position now where you know you've got an idea, barring you know late injuries, who your guys are to the end of the season which freshmen are going to play all year, all those different sorts of things. Roles are a lot more clearly defined, and I think Indiana was able to drill down on some some specifics in this bye week specifically. Okay, so now they get to line up with Penn State, who, who took their first loss last week. And, and there hasn't been a lot of success down through the years for the Hoosiers. What what in your eyes does it, is it going to take on Saturday to maybe pull an upset in Happy Valley? Well, I, I think – you don't want to say Indiana has to be perfect offensively, but they have to be pretty close to it on the road. You know, it. it uh, I don't know if you can say that you're going to get an angry Penn State or a, a reeling Penn State or, you know, these next two games Indiana plays both kind of have the same dynamic in terms of where they fall on the opponent's schedule because Penn State may want to come out and prove a point against Indiana, but it also knows it's got Ohio State in a week and still, in theory, has one hand on its own, you know, Big Ten uh, East sort of hopes in terms of if Penn State can beat Ohio State, then they're going to the Big Ten championship game. 
and then Michigan comes between Michigan State and Ohio State for the Wolverines. So it's hard to kind of know what Indiana gets from Penn State. I do think that when you look at what Penn State can do defensively, Indiana's got to be close to flawless offensively to, to compete in this game. And then I think you've got to do whatever you can from a defensive perspective. You've got to look at that Minnesota game and figure out what was it about Minnesota that really threw Sean Clifford off? And what was it about Minnesota that got Sean Clifford playing poorly? And how much of that can you replicate in, obviously, a very different setting? Penn State being at home, not on the road. I think it's going to be difficult. I think that the line being at about 14, 14 and a half is probably fair because I think Indiana's having a very good season but still is not at that, you know, that sort of Penn State, Ohio State. I guess we got to include Minnesota in that conversation this season level in the Big Ten. But if there's one thing Indiana has going for it, it's that this game has virtually no meaning in the sense that Indiana is still going to be having a good season. It's still going to have a lot of momentum, even if they go to Penn State and lose, you know, 41 to 10. Um, this, this is a free hit for an Indiana team that should be fresh coming off a of bye week that does have... I think uh, an advantage in being able to look at very fresh film of Penn State struggling. Like, you know, somebody pointed out, somebody asked Kane Womack, Indiana's defensive coordinator, about that this week. How much does it help to basically have film of what it looks like when Penn State isn't playing well? Because you probably didn't have a ton of that before uh, the Minnesota game. And, and so now you can sort of review that and you can try to pick some things that maybe you feel like you can do off of that, some areas you can build off of that. And more than anything else, like I said, I come back to the idea that this is the freest hit Indiana's got left on the schedule in that if they go there and lose, even competitive, but he says, hey, this is still a really good reflection on an Indiana team that's, that's you know, um, building some real positive momentum this season. And if they go there and win, then obviously it changes, you know, basically everything about the conversation around the program. In the two Penn State eight and one, it's at eleven. ABC Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star. Great stuff as always. Thank you, Zach. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's time to buy or sell. Buy sell is brought to you by Famous Dave's, your perfect catering choice for business lunches, meetings, weddings, parties, and more. Treat your guests to authentic smoked daily barbecue, made from scratch sides, and award-winning desserts. Famous Dave's, we do catering right. Now here's the hosts of Buy or Sell, Brett Whitty Sold. and Tim Curran. That's right. It's another edition of Buy or Sell. And just because, gentlemen, we got a late start, or rather I got a late start, doesn't mean I'm not coming after you guys. I'm nipping on your heels already. Uh, the percentage is looking pretty good. Uh, we're going to get the totals later, but uh, just want to make sure you guys aren't getting too comfortable in there. As long as we stay on track and don't veer <laughs> too far off topic or talk yep. too long about a specific answer. And the shot clock rule is different this year, Ben, so even if you try and gather yourself, <laughs> you're going to have less time to, to you know, that possession is going to be a lot shorter than you think. So you I'm ever just... see Moneyball yet? I, I haven't. <laughs> Look, it's a, it's a low blow, Ben. Look, it's a low blow. You know I'm very busy schedule. All right, I I, I know your I know Downton your schedule Abbey. well. Okay, and, and, I, and I'm also willing to to bet that there's <laughs> what hour 48 in there somewhere. This has been like a two and a half year project for you. <laughs> yeah, you know, hey, Disney Plus came out. I got to get through that first. We'll, we'll we'll make some time for Moneyball. We'll make. We've some gotten time. approval for you to start doing a movie segment, but that's right. He hasn't met the prerequisites <laughs> yet. Ben says you haven't qualified yet to do yeah. that. Yeah, uh, I'll I'll make sure. I promise I will get on top of that before the summer rolls around, at the very least. Heard but this before. We shall. We shall. <laughs> 
shall start off uh, with a Major League Baseball question from the past. Take your clocks all the way back to March 27th. 2019. The question was buy or sell that the team that would win the World Series would win their first game. Well, the answer ended up being a sell as the Nationals lost 2 nothing to the Mets in their season opener. And Greg and Ben both wrong with a buy. Man. Nationals sort of Yeah, it's, it took them a while <laughs> to get going out of the gate, but they got her they got her going. Unbelievable record from like June first on. And then man, the way they survived the playoffs, good for them. Mm-hmm. All right, Husker football answer by ourselves that there would be at least three turnovers in the game against Indiana. That ended up being a bye. There was exactly three turnovers in the game, and you guys both bought that and both got it right. Okay, we're the best. (laughs) Sure Uh, wish Darian Daniels had taken that thing in. uh, Yeah. Yep, that's fair. Love a big man touchdown. Moving on with some Husker volleyball buyers, so that Nebraska would have a player with at least 13 kills in each of their next four matches, or a player would have at least 24 kills in one of their next four matches. That answer ended up being a sell. It was 17, 18, 12, and 21 versus Indiana, Purdue, Rutgers, and Penn State. Uh, but Greg and Ben, both correct with a sell. Yeah. that I, I feel like I always guess the kill ones, and I get them wrong, so... Feel a little slimy getting that one right, but I'll take it. All right. Husker men's basketball by ourselves at Nebraska would score a combined 170 points in the Doan exhibition match and the UC Riverside game. That ended up being a sell. They scored 138 combined. Uh, The UC Riverside match did not go how we thought it might. Greg, you sold that and got it right. Ben, you were incorrect with a bye. Couldn't throw her in the ocean that night. That Riverside thing was not good. But what was good, though, was the Husker women's basketball team. Uh, this is actually from a while back. Byers Southern Nebraska would hold their opponents to 85 points or fewer. That was the Rogers State and Alabama A&M games. Uh, that answer ended up being a bye. 79 points they held them to. Uh, Greg, you were a little bit less pessimistic. You sold it, got it wrong. But Ben, though, right with the bye. All right, got it back. Pretty good line. Man, that's insane. That, 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 line. That, we both looked at each other like, man, how is that, that going to work? But, yeah, nailed it. All right, another question from a couple weeks back by ourselves that Michigan or Wisconsin would win on October 26th. That ended up being a buy as Michigan beat Notre Dame pretty badly, 45-14. to 14. I'm assuming Wisconsin lost that day. Greg, you bought that and got it right, though. Ben, you sold it and were incorrect. Yeah, I, I had to keep it consistent because I was saying Notre Dame all week. I wasn't going to change. So, <laughs> How'd that work out? Not Jeez. good, Brett. A little zinger from Brett. <laughs> Brett's, Brett's on board now. Twisting I, the knife. I, I just picked that one correctly in our Big Ten picks, and I felt How really about good about two? it. We'll be on the other end of this tonight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sticking with college football buyers, so that the Florida-Georgia game that was back on November 2nd would be decided by four points or less. The answer it was a sell. Georgia actually won it by a touchdown, 24-17. Uh, ben, though, was closest to the bonus. I think he said Georgia by six. Uh, so Ben gets it right with the sell. Greg, though, wrong with a buy. Uh, yeah, thanks thanks uh, for the uh, <laughs> announcement there, team anti-bonus. <laughs> I'm not, yeah, I, I will say the, the rules committee will have to meet. Uh, there's There's been some changes, you know. We'll have to reconvene. <laughs> well, you think you can just walk in here and change the rules of buy-sell? Who oh, do you I, think you are? Oh, I know I can. Oh, I know. I'm going to throw my weight around, Ben. Don't, well, don't then you why, if, you, if you know you can do it, then why will you need to meet? Well, you know, I, and I, is the true commission still sitting next to you? Well, why do they have elections in North Korea? They still hold them, but you know, <laughs> just saying. <laughs> our, our biggest switch is going to be uh, from certificates to plaques now. Is that yeah, right? that's right. Get a marble bust at the end of the year. <laughs> marble bust. <laughs> 
All right, moving on, an NFL answer by ourselves that the Chiefs-Packers winner would also win their next game. Uh, KC had the Vikings in their next game. The Green Bay Packers had the Chargers in their next game. Uh, the Packers won that game against the Chiefs 31-24, but then went on to lose to the Chargers 26-11, to making it a sell. Ben, you got that right with a sell. Greg, you were incorrect with a bye. They were not good against the Chargers. They were, were awful they? against the Chargers. Yeah. That's what happens when you play the Chiefs. Yeah. You, know, you run up against Beat that up. buzzsaw. No doubt. Going back to the World Series. Again, this was from a while ago. Buy or sell that Juan Soto would hit at least two more home runs in the World Series. The answer was a buy. He hit exactly two. It was one each in games five and game six. Greg, uh, you got that right. You bought into Soto. And Ben, uh, though, you doubted Juan and sold it, got it wrong. I did, but I'm glad the Nationals won, so tip for tat. That's good. (laughs) All right, uh, sticking with MLB World Series here and wrapping up this last week's answers by sell that there would be at least two more one-run games in the remainder of the World Series. At the time of the question being asked, that ended up being a sell. There were zero more one-run games in the World Series, but you guys both bought it and were both incorrect, so it didn't matter. No. <laughs> no comments on this one? No. We're just, you know, there really weren't a lot of great games after the first couple in that yeah. series. Yeah. Surprising. Now, totals for this week, Greg and Ben both 5 of 10. Greg, though, improves to 24-48 on the year. That's 50%, Jeez. right, even 500. Uh, ben, slightly higher, 27 of 48. That's a clip of 56.3%. That's bad. Well, we've been, the, the, the issue is we've been steadily increasing our percentage each season. So, like, 50% used to be tolerable. Now it's like yeah, we've been that's a low 60s. bar. Yeah, we've – we're correcting. We're coming back to the pack. I think it's Tim's fault. <laughs> Tarnishing this this story segment, season twelve here. Very, my apologies for for bringing it down. But we will uh, move on with the questions, and we begin. Sounds like the commissioner wants. Yeah, to I, I'm going to jump in here for just a little bit. Yeah, I, okay. I, I hear that I've been brought uh, up that Tim is going to try to take <laughs> over. Some oh, he's not going to try. He said he's he going to do it. He oh. can do it. I think it's in motion already. Oh wow. All right. Well, I mean, and you guys brought up the percentages. You have been been beating the odds a little bit more so we'll see maybe some changes are in the works all right i guess uh wow that's a teaser right there yeah, yeah. throw that out there and, and tim got maybe knocked down a peg yeah, and humbled <laughs> a little bit here on buy sell my thunder just got stolen but don't worry i'll bounce back with a strong <laughs> buy sell this week uh beginning in the land of husker football buy or sell that there are at least 130 offensive plays from scrimmage in the game against wisconsin sell so, okay wow well, didn't even have to get your calculator out. They huddle, you know. What's that mean? <laughs> What's a huddle? Sell. All right. I mean, even even if Nebraska gets, I mean, what 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 do you put the goal at? Seventy five. For Nebraska know. snaps. Yeah, I think the goal's sixty. It's oh, oh, yeah, we're talking about combined here, just so you guys are aware. So right. we're not talking about like, just Nebraska. But yeah, yeah, no. I know that. Okay. I'm just saying from Nebraska's standpoint, Nebraska wants to run more plays is my point. How many, you think, how many you think Wisconsin will run? Probably about that. 60, 70? Yeah, All right. selling it. All right. Uh, Husker football future question here by our cell that Nebraska holds two of their next three opponents to under 30 points. Mm. 
And take your time. Don't worry. I'm not going to rush it. Just, just let you know you could have all the time in the world. As long as my microphone's on and working, <laughs> you will sit there while I ponder. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. He's back here pointing to his watch. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to sell it, and I'm about four out of ten confident. Okay, no bonus points will be awarded for that. Confidence, <laughs> no. but just Thanks, so you Kamish. Know. <laughs> point, point four points. For the <laughs> I'm going to buy it. All right. And I think it'll be Maryland and Iowa. Well, that, yeah, both that's under 30 points. The, the, those are the two in question. With Husker Volleyball, by ourselves in Nebraska, wins at least four sets versus Minnesota and Wisconsin. Are those next week, those matches? I know they have yes. Iowa. That's a Friday, Saturday. Yeah, they yep. have Iowa this weekend, and then, yeah, okay. Now, four, wins four sets. Mm hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna buy it. All right, I'm buying as well. It's it's it's, it's late in the season. Coach Cook just I, yeah finds a way. I can see one of those matches going five, so there guarantees you two. And I would not put a pass and win in one of those two matches. Yeah. All right. Moving on, a Husker basketball combo question by ourselves: that the men's basketball and women's basketball teams are a combined plus ninety through November twenty second total in that time span. Plus 90. Plus 90. And that's before the Cayman Islands tournament, right? Yes. So the men have South Dakota State and Southern. The women play Morgan State tomorrow. They've got... Man, let me just go to my trusty schedule here. SI. Plus 90? Southern Illinois, something, something. Plus 90. Plus 90, yeah. Who's this, me? Yes. Who you got? The women have tomorrow, they play Morgan State. Then they play Southern Illinois Edwardsville on Sunday. That's a tough one. <laughs> then they play Southern. So they play Southern. And the men play Southern. I'm going to say yes, plus 90, indeed. Bye. Hey. Right. Look yeah. at that confidence there from Ben. Yeah. All right, moving right along. Can, can Greg yeah, answer yeah, or any, is he done playing? <laughs> any chance? <laughs> down. Sorry, Greg, you know. Oh, there's Sorry, just guys. Once, I'm just trying to once. keep things together back here. It's not going well. <laughs> All right, I got to do some figuring. Yeah, Greg's got to get Tim's his like a, like a like a caged bull <laughs> when he's it like, comes he, to buy so. He's the hall monitor of the airwaves is what yeah. I say. So the women have three <laughs> yeah, games, I love the that. men have two. Yes. Yes. That is a breakdown, yep. Yeah, I'm going to buy it, too. It's close. Right. That's a good line. You watch. That's going to be really close. All right. Okay. With permission, I will move on to college football <laughs> by yourself. That Minnesota or Baylor will win as this Eric week. As Eric Chenander would say, Tim, just do your job. <laughs> yeah, Tim. Don't do my job. Don't Ch do Brett's job. Do your job. I think that you just misattributed that quote, good <laughs> sir. Okay, whatever. I'll just I'll just leave that there. I don't want to get into that now. Uh, yeah, by so that Minnesota or Baylor will win this week. Uh, looks like the Golden Gophers have Iowa and Baylor. Baylor's got Oklahoma. Have Oklahoma. Yeah, game day is uh, there. PJ Fluck noted front of so the show. One of the two wins. <laughs> right. Yeah. One of either. Yep. Either or. Bye. Yep. You picking who? Gophers. Yeah. Row the boat. 
I'm buying too. I'm all in. I'm, I'm ready. To I got more oars in the water than Tim knows what to do with. Okay. I mean, I was ready to record your. So you are picking Minnesota if you're non-existent bonus point. Is that yes. correct? Okay, good. Just writing that down. All right, moving on. Another college football question by ourselves: that the losing team in the Georgia Auburn game is held to 13 points or fewer. <laughs> Sell. So, God, we're really the we're, we're lining up a lot the same. Sell. I'm selling that too. I think okay. you're going to see more points than that in that game. Dix, okay. uh, that who do you like in that game? That's a good one. It's at Auburn. Dogs Ooh. at Auburn makes it tough. I think so too, Brett. I think so too. I could see that being a win for for Auburn. That's Auburn's sh- going to either be them or Bama coming mm. down the stretch here. But yeah, we're have we even been different on anything yet? I think uh, one. Yeah, yeah, you guys have been different. On one. <laughs> Go ahead, Tim. All right. Yeah, don't worry. I'm ready. College football, buy or sell. Are there at least 63 points or 1,000 total yards in the Ohio State-Penn State game? Chase Young's back, if you hadn't heard. 63 <laughs> points and or. Is this an and? It is an or. So at least 63 points or 1,000 total yards. No, they're not going to get 1,000 yards. No way. 63 points. That's a little Pac-12 after dark action kind of numbers right there. Hmm. What do we got for a line on that? It's next. It's a week away. Probably now. Yeah, it's like two weeks away. So I don't think they have one yet. Um. Hmm. I'm gonna sell. Dang it! <laughs> I'm selling too. That, that that line's too high. I could see like it's 35, gonna come, 21 it's, or it's something. Gonna, it's gonna come out like a 58. I think. Yeah, cold weather too. Could knock down the yard. And point. Chase Young's back. <laughs> yeah, I heard. Oh, they, is he? That's a that's a nice break yeah, for the Buckeyes. I heard they were able to gain the system. Yeah, like they that. really do, they really oh, don't man. ever. Thank um, goodness. They really don't <laughs> ever get a break. Good for Ohio State. Yeah, they just oh, they've they been just, beat down for too long. Yeah, they never catch a break. <laughs> yeah. All right, moving on, a little NFL question here by ourselves. That the winning starting quarterback in tomorrow's Brown Steelers game throws for at least 250 yards. Just the winning quarterback? Just the winning starter. What the losing quarterback does? Doesn't count? Oh, who cares what he does? He's a loser. Whoa. I mean, Baker is a loser, so. Whoa, sorry, you're calling your shot. All right. So Mason You know what's insane? Is sitting here right now, I'm more confident that Mason Rudolph does it than Baker Mayfield. Yeah. And who would have thought that coming into the I'm year? not confident. Yeah, I don't, about I don't disagree with that. Oh, Tim agrees with me, then I must be. I must be <laughs> honest. It's an extra point. My first? Yeah, yeah, I asked the question. Man, I'm going to buy it. Reluctant. I'm going to say the Browns win. And <laughs> Baker throws to Jarvis Landry a bunch tomorrow. His only option. Yeah. All right. Uh, hold on, Tim. Let me answer. <laughs> um, you have my permission. Go ahead, Greg. <laughs> uh, I'm going to be different on this one. I'm going to sell it. All right. Okay. I think the weather's going to be pretty cruddy. Mm-hmm. It's going to be really mm-hmm. cold. I think there'll be some turnovers. Thursday uh, game. You didn't have a lot Thursday of time. Thursday game. Kind of ugly. Yeah. All right, you guys will need your crystal balls for this next one. The NFL future question. Buy or sell that the winners of the Packers 49ers game reaches the NFC championship game. So they play this Sunday, I'm guessing. I think so. Is it? <laughs> where is it? 
Let us see here. Packers. Duh, duh, duh. Well, Google doesn't like to tell. I believe it's at Levi. Yeah, I think it's San, it's San Fran or Santa San. Clara or wherever yeah, they're playing now. So the winner of that game makes the NFC title game. Yes. I'll buy that. Although uh, Ben's, you know, fellow namesake, uh, the McLaughlin, he, he kind of blew it for. He made a big one to send it to OT. Yeah, he no did. relation. Don't care what <laughs> no that guy relation. does. <laughs> I'm going to sell it, and I'm calling my shot that it's the Seahawks. I like that. I like that pick. Well, there's two teams in the championship game. They didn't say that, win it. Oh, well, I think the Seahawks are going to win it. So what? they just have to be in it? Yeah. The winner? They just have to reach it. They don't have to win reach, it. Just to reach yeah. it. I misunderstood. I already said sell, so I'll sell. You know, <laughs> stick it. I don't like it. it. <laughs> All right, wrap just it. to speed this along. Yeah, you know. <laughs> wrapping Appreciate up it. this uh, week of questions with the NBA question here, buy or sell, that the Clippers win at least – Four of the first five games that Paul George plays in this season. He's scheduled to make his first start on uh, actually tonight, I believe, or maybe tomorrow. Yeah, he's supposed to play against Houston. They're losing tonight, so it counts tonight's game. Yes. Is he playing tonight? Let me go uh, check the box score here. Well, he was supposed to. I don't know if he actually is. I haven't seen him on the court, but I also haven't checked too much. Um. Well, this is this is you. I'm I'm. I'm going to sell it. He has not played tonight yet. So this game doesn't count. So this would not count, no. Yeah, I'm going to sell it. Okay. I don't know what their schedule looks like, but I, I don't want to spend the time to look it up. I might get in trouble, <laughs> so I'm going to sell it. you got a time clock. Back. Chosen wisely, Ben. You guys need to come up with like a buzzer back there to buzz him. <laughs> I don't oh, yeah. want to give Tim that kind of power. You can get like <laughs> a cattle prod. This could get out of control. his pick. <laughs> no, gosh, it's an automatic loss. Yeah, there's going to be an at- if Ben ends up winning this, there's going to be an asterisk next to that title, and we'll just we'll just keep that in mind. Okay, Tim just, Kim, Tim can just come in and add asterisks now too. Yeah, that's right. Well, tainted. Just, just to be different, I'll buy that the Clips win four out of five with him. All right, sounds good. And that's buy sell. Okay, we we survive with we those two back there. Barely. That's a tough combination for us with Brett and Tim back there. Yeah, it's like I'm gonna walk in the door and my wife's gonna be like, "What happened to you?" I'm going to be all limping and stuff. Like, I just Got carried the ball. By Tim like, I just Jonathan tailored a game, carried it 46 times. Whew. You try getting through a buy-sell with Brett and Tim. Yeah, it's not easy. Tell me what you look, look like coming out. Navigating a minefield back there. We're back. Wednesday night, Sports Island here on the Husker Sports Network. Tomorrow night, we'll have our Nebraska football show. The head coach slated to be here from 7 to 8. Scott Frost in studios. The Huskers get ready to take on Wisconsin as we recap the practice report from earlier in the day. The biggest news, Ben, was the health status of Wandale Robinson. Has not practiced since the Purdue game. It's hard to play if you haven't practiced by Wednesday of game week because tomorrow's kind of a walkthrough and then they do their fast Friday. I, I just I just don't know if I see Wandale playing Saturday, and that's a, that's a big loss for Nebraska. Yeah, it is. It didn't sound – uh, like coaches were too optimistic based on what we heard today from Troy Walter. So, yeah, I would bank on right now if, if they had to give an answer, he wouldn't play. And, uh, yeah, that's that's tough deal. Tough, tough deal. I just uh, We'll get maybe some more answers tomorrow night from the coach. He also will have meeting a meeting with the media coming up tomorrow as well. So we'll have some clips of that tomorrow night on the program. But uh, just not much – you just Maurice Washington not practicing with his team right now. 
If you don't have Wandale, you got JD. You got some tight ends who can do some things. You hope to have maybe even a little healthier Adrian Martinez. He's going to have to be a big part of the game plan Saturday. This wouldn't be a terrible time for Dedrick Mills to bust out either. Yeah. Still kind of waiting for a breakout game for him or a guy like Conovai Noah, too, to show up and be a consistent option. He. Conovai got targeted more against Purdue yeah. than he has all season. So Four catches. Maybe, maybe that is a, a sign that they're trying to get him more involved. Yeah. So, again, I, as you pointed out. And which Conovai should have had a touchdown, too. Let's not forget that. It's wide open. Adrian missed him. I thought I did think, and, and Troy Walters addressed that today, I thought Adrian played better the later the game went. I think there was some rust for him, getting himself back up to game speed after being out for a month. Uh, but you're right, he missed that throw to Kanavianoa, and that could have put Nebraska up, could have, would have, should have. I get it, folks. But that would have put Nebraska up 17 to nothing if he hits Kanavaya. I think the outcome is totally different. Yeah. There's a lot of, lot of scenarios in that game that should have gone Nebraska's yep. way that didn't. Sure did. Callers and guests into our show. Dot us up on our Sports Only Hotline brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family. Bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. We've been watching some college basketball tonight. Big win for Ohio State. They roughed up number 10 Villanova as part of the Gavit Games. Purdue's got an 11-point lead at Marquette tonight in the game. You've got Providence playing Northwestern in another Gavit Games contest that's going on in Evanston tonight. Uh, Huskers not a part this year of the Gavit Games. They already have been in three of the years. You get to be a part of it four of the eight, as there are more Big Ten teams than there are Big East teams. That's why the Oscars aren't a part of this one here tonight. That'll do it for tonight's show. Thanks to Ben, to Tim, to Brett, and to all of you for being a part of this one. Again, tomorrow night, our Nebraska football show headed your way with the head coach in studio from 7 to 8 tomorrow night. Look forward to having that on the air. Enjoy the rest of your night. Talk to you tomorrow. Good night.